You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, back for another day of Blue Jays talk in a much, much better mood than I was yesterday for anyone who listened to that podcast that that was a combination of incredible frustration with the Blue Jays a lack of sleep and the fact that you know I had eaten too much McDonald's ice cream in 24 hours but we we are in a better mood it's fan Friday yay fan Friday everyone likes Fridays so in, in that tradition, I have help again today because y- y'all heard yesterday, you know I needed some. Um, but for for a change of pace and, and maybe to counterbalance this new this new positive energy that I'm bringing into today, we have brought back a returning favorite. Downtown Stephen Brown is back on the podcast. Stephen. Ryan, it's really, really good to be back. I mean, I haven't talked to you in a while, and I haven't gotten a chance to listen to your rant yesterday, but I will go back and listen to it. I don't know if if I'm going to be negative to balance out your positivity today. I'm in a pretty good mood. I have my Marcus Stroman wobble, bobble, shimmy, whatever you want to call it on my desk right now in front of me. He's doing that little like shimmy thing, and I'm just in a good mood. Oh, oh Lord, you were at that game. Oh... <laughs> Oh no! Oh. It, it was it was eventful to say the least. Oh, yeah. For for anyone who didn't listen to yesterday's pod, I would recommend it because I I'm pretty reserved as a person normally, and yesterday I was not. And Miller did a good job trying to to keep keep me level until his table from Leon's arrived. But, uh, yeah, no, last night was a much-needed tonic for just the, the month of losing. And I, I feel like I say that every time the Blue Jays actually get a win, like that it's much-needed uh, a respite from just all the other failings. But, no, just going into... Last night's game, Stephen, and and watching another solid start. We'll we'll give Jaime Garcia a solid start last night, but watching watching it just evaporate with Tyler Clippard giving up a home run, John Axford giving up two home runs back to back. It it just it started feeling like it was all slipping away again, and. Yeah, it 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 made me it made me a little on edge, and and honestly, if if it held to that scoreline, I I don't think this is a happy shiny podcast today. Well, you know what? You mentioned Jaime Garcia's um, solid start. I'd call it a quality start, uh, Ryan, and I think that's four in a row for Blue Jays starting pitchers. I'm not used to this. I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not. I, I can't remember what it's like to get six innings 
consistently anymore without, you know, and Sam Gaviglio appearances on repeat. <laughs> you know, he, he pitched on he pitched on Wednesday uh, for the Marcus Stroman wobble, wobble, shimmy, whatever game. And that was another solid start by him. But you mentioned John Axford giving up the back to back home runs and his season has kind of gone from, oh, I mean, we got John Axford. He's Canadian. That's cool. And, oh, okay, he's actually going to pitch pretty well for us. And then, oh, my God, oh, oh dear God, oh, no, not him again. And I, I don't know if I'm ready to give up on him or not, but there's another guy in the bullpen that we should talk about today that we were talking about before the show, and I'll let you get into that topic. Uh, see, Stephen, this, this is what I was talking about with the next. I was saving this. I wanted to bask in the positivity a little bit. No, you know what? I, I woke up. I had my tea. I've been happy for long enough. Let's just get right into it, get it out of the uh, way, and then we can be happy and then carry on with our day afterwards. Oh, uh, the angry tea. I I didn't know. Um, But no, let's talk about this because this relates to the Wednesday game that you attended, and I don't know if you were there for all 13 innings of it, but as I, as I detailed... It was. Yeah. So as I, I detailed yesterday, you, even when it was John Axford coming out of the pen, even when it was Danny Barnes coming out of the pen, there was still like, okay, okay, just get through this inning and it'll be fine. But when Joe Biagini emerged from the pen in the 13th, there was no happy feeling. There, there was no thought that it would be fine. It was a thought that, okay, we're giving up at least one run here. We need to score two in the bottom of the 13th or this game is over. And lo and behold, Joe Biagini came out and did exactly that. And because this is fan Friday, we, we cede control to the fans and the fans are still pretty upset at Joe Biagini. Um, when he came out, uh, there, there were calls for anyone other than Joe Biagini. Um, Gamer Graham at GTM 618 actually wanted either Russell Martin or Curtis Granderson to, to pitch instead of Joe Biagini and was pining for the days of Ryan Goins and Darwin Barney on the mound, which says everything you need right there. I, any, anytime you have fans pining for Ryan Goins, it's, it's not great. He's, he's, he's finally starting again, by the way, for a, Kansas City team that's given up so yay I, I was actually hoping that Jason Grilly would hop in over the uh the left field bleachers <laughs> he was actually there in attendance on Instagram yesterday he posted that he was at the game just kind of chilling out so I I mean I I'd more than welcome that I got a couple more fist pumps he, left in me he he couldn't be any worse honestly <laughs> um I, w- I was talking to another fan after after that game and Lonnie M at Lonnie MCA actually would have rather seen O pitch instead of be a genie. And this was a song one O who had just given up major bombs in back-to-back outings bombed against Detroit bombed the previous night, giving up that and and Duhar grand slam. She would have rather seen O in there. And, and, and that's, that's the point where we're at with Biagini. I was I was jokingly tweeting last night that hey, I fixed Danny Barnes because I wrote about him, and I I am offering my services to other people. And 
uh, Christopher Bradley at C Bradley twenty nine twenty eight said, "I would need to write an eight chapter epic about Joe Biagini to try and fix him," <laughs> and I'm I couldn't I couldn't dispute that he he just looks so broken out there, and I I I know it's taking the easy out to just blame like he doesn't know what he's doing is he a starter is a reliever he doesn't have that mentality anymore but it just seems like he's completely lost the plot from when he was good in 2016 it's like he can't remember what he did to make himself so good coming out of that rule five draft you know what when he he did have his spectacular season in 2016 didn't he didn't he almost go the entire year without giving up a home run or something like that he did he did have some batted ball luck on 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 his side and then afterwards he was trying to transition into a starter and then he had that whole thing where no matter who it was that got on base it could have been uh, me standing on first base or Kendris Morales or Justin Smoke, just whatever, the slowest guy standing on base and he would score for whatever apparent reason. Um, he was terrible with runners on base. And then this year, he seems like he spent a little bit of time in Buffalo and he's come up to pitch um, the two doubleheader games and everything in between that has just kind of been bad really yeah. really bad it's almost like joe's lost his big, big, big his big league pants as he called them <laughs> last year like like the whole like the belt is gone everything they're just down and he's exposed yeah no he he only allowed three home runs in 2016 so yeah he was really good at keeping the ball in the park but just he's not missing any bats whatsoever batters are not fooled by what joe biagini is throwing out there anymore his whip has spiked from 1.3 in 2016 to 1.92 this year, which, I, again, is only spared being the worst on the team by the fact that Jake Petrica just, you know, lets every ground ball through the infield now. And I said yesterday that I could not see Joe Biagini on this team anymore. Like, I literally physically could not see Joe Biagini on this team anymore out of fear of, like, throwing up in my mouth. Because it's, it's just gotten to that point. He, he needs stability. He, he, needs, he needs to sit down in Buffalo and, and just take some time to, like, get get stabilized in that reliever role. I know this is going to mean the Blue Jays probably have to give cash considerations up to get, oh, I, I don't know. Who's this year's equivalent of Matt Latos? Some, someone like, is, um, is Lucas Harrell still available? Whatever. <laughs> get, get someone in there just to be an inning eater at Buffalo and just let Joe Biagini go back to being a reliever full-time because that that's what he is. That's what his key to success is and was for this team and he needs to just focus on that and get back to it because if, if he's going to be back in the major leagues, if he's going to prove he's more than that Steve Delabar one hit wonder, he's got to go back to finding what made him successful in 2016. And I, it's not going to be an easy fix, but he needs to go down to Buffalo and take the time and actually do it. When he was doing those very comical interviews with um, Barry Davis, he once 
uh, answered a question, what would he be doing if he wasn't in the major leagues? And he said that he would have liked to have been a painter like Bob Ross. And I think Joe Biagini just needs to go back down to AAA and do exactly what Bob Ross does. He doesn't paint trees. He just paints happy accidents. And he just needs to have a couple of happy accidents or happy mistakes or whatever Bob Ross says. I'm not I'm not I'm not really familiar with him, but he just needs to have some a couple of good things happen to him down in triple A and just get back some confidence and come back up. He needs to paint the corner. That's what he needs to do. (laughs) Ooh, that was bad. (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't get there first. And and yeah, I. I hate to think that the key to Joe Biagini's success is regular interaction with Barry Davis, but I, I, I don't know, but I can't see him struggle with Toronto. Like I, I said in my piece, you can let Danny Barnes figure it out at the major league level, but you can't let Joe Biagini do it anymore. And I just, I can't, I can't see him and I, the fans can't see him either. You know that was that was really interesting. You wrote the piece that fixed Danny Barnes. Jeff, I I don't dare say his last name, but Jeff from Jay's from the Couch wrote the piece about Sung Wan Oh, and he broke him. <laughs> ever, ever since then, he's been terrible. I am the antidote. I am I am the cure. I yes. This is just feeding well into my egomaniacal side. So thank, <laughs> thanks, Stephen. You are truly showing how how evil you are by by just building this monster up. Maybe maybe we should maybe we should hold on be a genie for a bit. Get back to some positive messages for Blue Jays fans right after this. Okay, I I think we've calmed down. I think we. We've popped my balloon enough that that I can contain it in the podcast again. So let's let's talk about the good from last night. And and there wasn't much good to talk about. Like it it was it was like a sandwich. It was like a subway sandwich. Like you you have you have the good start with the bread and in Curtis Granderson's leadoff home run, and then you have a lot of crap in the middle. I. All, all the home runs that Baltimore hit. And then and then you got to the ninth. And given Baltimore just came off a a tight two-game sweep of the Mets, I'm I'm not sure how used how used to winning Buck Showalter was, but he went back to his closer, Brad Brock, for the third straight night. And it became clear in a hurry that Brad Brock was feeling it. He was flagging hard. And and once once I, I saw that, like Brad Brock has a has a little bit of a history in giving up uh in giving up leads to Toronto. So once once I saw that I'm like okay, okay, that there is a chance there is that something can be done here. And and lo and behold, the the fruits of the trades with the Cardinals stepped up and delivered in a big way last night. And no one needed to deliver in a big way more than Randall Grichuk last night. He, he was the star. He was the star of that rally for the blue Jays. Yeah. And, and I mean, every, his struggles are well-documented here in Toronto and he had that injury on that really fluky diving catch that he made a while ago. And 
if anyone needed that game, it's him. He had another good game in the series against Detroit uh, where he had two hits, a home run and a double, and he had two doubles last night. And I'm I'm really, really excited to just see Randall Gritchick get back to doing what he does best because he is really, really good at hitting the ball and hitting the ball hard. Mm. And, and well, it, it wasn't even just that, too, because the – the bigger play, arguably for Gritchuk, yeah, he had that beauty double down the line um, to get it close. But then Randall Gritchuk did something I thought was almost impossible this year and made Luis Rivera look smart. Coming coming home on that Kevin Pillar single to center field, it it was a it was a tight ball. If it doesn't bounce up like that on Adam Jones, I'm not sure if Gritchick gets enough time to get in there, but because Jones had to kind of catch it near his sternum, it, it delayed the throw a bit and, and Gritchick was able to slide in under Austin wins and, and just tap that. And the, and the look of relief, the look of joy on his face as he tapped that plate and tied that game. It, it was so vindicating. It was so, so joyful to see, to see him finally, have that have that moment in a Blue Jays uniform that I think he's probably been waiting since since he was acquired to actually get. And and again again he he did he did some miraculous things there in getting in in getting Luis Rivera to look good. You know what I've I've been a volunteer third base coach before on just house league teams and your job is normally to just you know just don't throw up the stop sign ever just wave everybody in there and i think luis rivera takes that a little bit too seriously (laughs) but but i mean it, it is it is good to see some of these jays players having fun out there because baseball is is a game and you know we should be having a little bit of fun out there and i think when you take things too seriously and you let um, long extended slumps really gets you and you're you're kind of sad and you're down in the dumps you know having a couple of smiles here and there can really be the start of something really positive yeah and and like I, like i said it seemed to continue as well cuz cuz in the in the 10th old old blue jays nephew i guess i guess i don't want to call him a friend he was 20 when he was here but miguel castro came on and I, again the blue jays were were almost set down because I I will admit I had the tweet ready to go in the bottom of the tenth after Morales struck out and Maley struck out I had the tweet ready to go that uh, another Blue Jays opportunity goes wanting because they can't make contact on the ball because you know strikeouts but then Aledmus Diaz comes up with that with a one two count and and just gets some solid lumber on the ball for that winning hit. And then you, again, you see just the weight being lifted off the Blue Jays shoulders. You see, see Grichuk and Pilar coming out and, and just instantly mobbing Diaz. And you saw that, that party almost akin to what the Capitals did last night when they clinched the Stanley cup, just no one was screaming their heads off in drunken joy, like Alex Ovechkin. But <laughs> But but yeah, after after seeing the extended slump that this team was in, Stephen, and you know what, I'm not I'm not gonna get a big head about it. It's Baltimore. Baltimore is a very terrible team. But I'm wondering what this can do 
for the morale. It's, it's certainly done more morale for the team. Like I said, people were so happy to see Grichuk um, actually have have some success. Um, Kendra Lecky on on Twitter. If I I just lost her tweet, but yeah, um, Kendra at Kendra Nicole underscore ninety six, hoping that this kind of night for him. Um, he can build on it and regain some of the confidence he he's been missing, and and I share that sentiment. I think this is something that, yeah. And like you said, Grichuk had had a game against Detroit, but a, a game like this where he directly contributed to a win can can only be good for his morale and and kind of help rebuild the value that he he lost. No, yeah, the uh, of course you're 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 completely right there. I mean, I you don't you know you, you never want to kick somebody when they're down, but sometimes when the uh, when somebody comes comes into town when they're when they're down and they kind of suck, even though Baltimore did come off the mini sweep against the Mets, like like you mentioned, it still is the Baltimore Orioles, and I think if you c- c- come away from this series with anything less than three wins, because it is a four game set. Um, if I'm wrong, correct me. Um, it, it would it would be kind of dis- disappointing. Um, but sometimes you just have to have to take advantage of situations like this, and especially after a month and a half of just grinding and just grueling, grueling, terrible baseball that we've seen. Um, I'm very, very excited that we're getting Baltimore finally. <laughs> Baltimore is the cure for everything. It, it seems, and it does look a little better for the Blue Jays coming up, considering the matchups. Jay Happ goes today against Andrew Cash Kashner, which he he's two and seven. But let's not mince words about what Andrew Kashner is this season for Baltimore. And then the resurgent Aaron Sanchez goes on Saturday against Kevin Gossman. That might be Baltimore's best chance to win because Gossman's been good against the Blue Jays. I think he's like won his I think he's won his last three starts um against Toronto. Something like that. Yeah, three of his last four. I remember I remember I remember last year in the majors, he was one of the worst pitchers ever. But then for some reason I think he had like a seven inning start against Toronto and everybody's just like, of course. Because it's it's the Blue Jays and they do these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But having Sanchez matched up against him, I like that. And then Marco Estrada against Alex Cobb on on Sunday. You know, it's it's conceivable that the Blue Jays can sweep this game. They probably won't. One of the starters will have a bad day, or the bullpen will blow something. But there there's finally some air of positivity in this team, which I I don't I it might be too little too late. To... Oh, it, it's yeah, definitely yeah. too late. They are 11 games back of the Houston Astros, who are on pace for about something like 97 or 98 wins in the second wild card spot. Yeah, this it's, is this is not the year done. to have a this is not the year to have a bad month, and not with five teams just dominating the rest of the American League. But at, at least you can start feeling good about this team again instead of just watching watching them march blindly into the abyss. So, hey, that's something positive, I guess. But it's probably a good spot to end this Friday edition of Locked On Blue Jays. Steven, tell the fine people where they can find your stuff and get in to contact you if they want more positive things like that. 
I am on Twitter. My handle is DTSB. That stands for Downtown Stephen Brown because I always deliver the hottest takes around. You can also find me on jaysfromthecouch.com. I had a piece last week overlooking the Blue Jays' season so far after what we saw in the May season. Talked about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., um, Ollie the Bat Dog for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and just some things moving forward. Ah, uh, it, it says all you need to know about the Blue Jays' season when you have to highlight the double-A Bat Dog. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? He he's been he's he's been a really good boy, Ryan. So uh, <laughs> I'll I'll take that. <laughs> oh, he's such a good boy. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at neoac18. That's neoac18. Again, if you haven't seen the Barnes piece on jaysfromthecouch.com, I recommend it. I did good work, in my humble opinion, and. I, I'm still taking applications. I, I don't think I can fix Joe Biagini, Chris. I'm I'm sorry, but I I will I will try. And and thank you to the fans who wrote in. Thank you to Chris Bradley. Thank you to um uh Lonnie. Thank you to Graham and thank you to Kendra Nicole. Appreciate all those comments. So for downtown Stephen Brown. I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Locked On Blue Jays. And y'all take care.